Praise God. I'm going to Joshua chapter 1 tonight. I'm going to read quite a few scriptures, so just remain seated uh, for the reading tonight. I'm going to go through um, a few things to establish my point tonight. But Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. What a word. Therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. For sake of time, tonight, skip down to verse number 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, notice in verse 1, the Lord spake. Verse 10, Joshua commanded the officers of the people, and he spoke. And this is what he said, verse 11, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, speaking again, Prepare you victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan and go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess. For sake of time, jump to verse 16. And they, the people, answered Joseph, saying, So, we had the Lord speaking, we got the preacher speaking, and now we got the people speaking. All that thou commandest us, we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. They said, we'll do what you say, Joshua. We're going to follow you just like we followed Moses as long as the Lord's got his hand on you. We're content to follow you just like we did Moses. And whoever it be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good Courage. I'm jumping over to chapter 2 now, and I'm going to pick up in verse number 9. I'm going to tie this all together before we get out of here. Uh, a couple of spies that went over into the land to take a look at it, and they met this lady by the name of Rahab, and she was instrumental in making sure those men got out because the kings of the land heard that the children of Israel had sent some guys over, and uh, they weren't too excited about it. So this is what we pick up at verse 9. And she, Rahab, said, she said, Lord spake, Joshua spoke, people spoke, now the sinner is speaking unto the men. I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Thank God the world hears about what God does for the church. My subject tonight is when the church speaks. When the church speaks. I'm using this beautiful transition story as a foundation to establish my message tonight. And if, if you don't mind, I'm just going to bear my heart to you tonight. Is that okay? Um, let me start by saying we are part of something great. 
I preach often about the power of the church, and I don't make any apologies for that because I understand, because I was raised and taught right, that the church needs to be of prominence in your life. There is something about the church that nothing else will take its place. It should be of paramount importance in our lives. And I truly believe tonight with every fiber of my being that we need the church. I'm not so sure we really believe that like we used to. I told you I'm just bearing my spirit to you tonight, my heart to you tonight. I could pull scripture tonight. I could back up what I'm saying. But let me say it like this. If I took a poll tonight across this congregation that is here, how many of you could raise a hand tonight in agreement with me that we, that we believe or you believe we are in the last day? How about we do that tonight? Would you just mind with a show of hand if you believe that we are in the last days? Uh, excellent. I see, I see most every hand is up in this place tonight. Let me prove to you with Scripture that we are in fact in the last days. Hebrews 1, chapter 1. God, who at sundry times, and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. I preach, and I believe, you preach it how you want to when it's your turn, but I think I'm right. The last days began when Jesus started preaching. But here's the distinction. The last days shouldn't discourage the church. The last days should deploy the church. We shouldn't be cowering around today in fear and wonder, but we should be moved to action today like never before. Hear me tonight. This recent conflict that we are seeing over in Israel, over Gaza, is not only bringing a disruption to the Middle East, but it is affecting the world tonight. In some of our U.S. cities, Lord, help us. Protests are going on this very moment. Major unrest all over our world is brewing. This woke generation is proving that they must have slept through Sunday school because they are void of any spiritual and scriptural understanding of where we are tonight. We are in fact in 
the last days. Here's just one of the signs. He said earthquakes would be abounding in the last days. I looked at this yesterday at 1 o'clock. Made a time stamp on my notes. I didn't update my list. I should have before I came up here and given you all of them. But by 1 o'clock yesterday, we had nine earthquakes across the globe. Two in Papua New Guinea, one in Puerto Rico, the Philippines, Mexico, Russia, Uganda, Chile, and Hawaii. Nine by the time we finished lunch earthquakes yesterday. I didn't come to try to scare anyone tonight. Fear has never been the right motive to serve the Lord. Fear will last you for a season. I came to talk to those that love him tonight because it's your love that brought you in on a Wednesday night. It's your love that will keep you. It's love that lasts a lifetime. I came to remind those that love him this is what he said to look for. It's not time for us to suddenly be overcome with a strong desire to try to figure things out. You don't need to rush to try to get a Ph.D. tonight in eschatology to try to figure all of this thing out. But you need to settle one thing, and that is, do you truly love him? I, I could park the car right there and finish out the night about what loving him would do for our walk with him. He said, because sin would abound, the love of many would wax cold. Some of us need to light the wick on top of the wax again and burn a little bit again with that Holy Ghost and fire that we say we have. Hallelujah. Because love says, no matter what, I'm with you. Love says everybody else can do what they want to, but I'm going to stay with what I know. And I'm convinced tonight that God is trying to focus the eyes of the church back on him. In fact, he said, when you see all these things, do what? Look up, because your redemption draweth nigh. The world tonight may be looking down. The unbeliever tonight may not be able to sleep. Those that don't know him may be in turmoil and have no idea what the next day is going to bring. But for us that love him, thank God tonight we made it to the house of the Lord because our eyes are turned on him. We're seeking him tonight because we know he's our only hope and he's our only source of refuge and strength. We're here tonight because we're making our calling and our election sure. That's why you're here on a Wednesday night when others chose to do other things. What did Jesus say the end would look like? Two things he pointed to. As it was in the days of Lot. Lot. It, I, I thought of this when I was putting this together, finishing up today. It, it was the days of just two months. That's what my kids like to tell me at school when they don't like what I'm doing. Mr. How are you doing too much? You'll be doing too much. Right? It was the days of just too much. Lots of sin. Lots of perversion. Lots of evil. 
But the days of Lot had one message. For all the things they were doing, there was one message. Why? Because the message has got to go against. It doesn't matter what all you want to put the name on it. What it was after was the sin. And it displeases God, and there's only one fix for it because the one message Lot got was get out. That's the message we preach tonight. And most more than ever before, we've got to commit to our message. Acts 2.38 has become so common to many, but it's still our message. It's still our truth. It's still what we need to be preaching in these last days. And we need to preach it with passion like we've never preached it before. We need to stand together unified around our message like the 11 stood up when Peter began to preach and proclaim to a lost generation that the same Jesus they had crucified has been made both the Lord and Christ. Here's how you get to him. When Peter stood up, everybody else stood up in agreement. You still got to repent of your sins. You still got to go down in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And you've got to be resurrected with him by the gift of the Holy Ghost. We still have just one message. But there was more than a warning about just the message. Jesus said enough there when he said that the end would be like the days of Lot, but he also referenced another historical era. He said it would be like the days of Noah. See, Lot got one message, but Noah got over a hundred years worth of method. No debates, no concessions, no need of private interpretation. The message that Lot got was just get out. But Noah's day got a method. It was a way. It was a pattern, and it was a process. Noah's day got a get busy method. Do something. Go to work. After the message, we got to shore up our methods. And it's still the same as it was for Noah. Our salvation begins at an altar. We believe that tonight. Our salvation begins at an altar, but it culminates as we work on our salvation going forward. Just like Noah began to work to build that ark, we build an ark. It's called the church. So our method is the same. Build an ark, fill an ark, and ride the ark through the storm. Till he opens up that gate and calls us home. That's the church. So tonight, I came to say to us, if we know the season, then we must understand the importance of the church. I'm baffled today. If I'm being honest with you, I'm baffled today by the casualness of the church. Weak commitment. Come on, y'all come help me tonight. Weak commitment. Apathetic attitudes. Everyone so quick to be offended. 
the new push, the new fad, the new thing, trying to hide or disguise what we are, thinking we're going to backdoor someone in to heaven. I heard someone say one time, don't want to go over to that rally that's going to be at that church because they're too churchy over there. Statements like that scare me to death. I was sitting this morning drinking coffee with my mother, and we were talking about things, and I began to recount songs, and I was saying to her, we need a resurrection of some of those things. Some of those things that when I'm in my deepest, darkest trials and troubles, those things come back. Songs like, oh, I want to see him. Look up on his face. Come on, somebody. Songs like everybody will be happy. Songs like I'll fly away, oh glory. When we all get to heaven. We're raising a generation that don't know one word to those songs. That stuff scares me. I want my two boys to know those songs. I don't want them to go to a camp meeting and they do a throwback and they got no clue what they're talking. Is this okay tonight? Y'all still love me? If Jesus was right, and I believe he was, we better not fail in these last days. We can't fail in our message, and we can't fail in our method. So if the church plays that vital of a role in the last days, it's important that we know what it will look like and certainly what it will sound like. Because the church, if acting according to her purpose, will be speaking in the last days. The common thread from both time frames Jesus referenced was both had a voice. Lot's was a two-word message, get out. Noah's was an over 100-year method, but in both cases, there was a voice. So I say again, a church fulfilling her purpose in the last days must be making some noise. She must be speaking. She must be quieting fears. She must be speaking faith. She must be uncovering mysteries. She must be answering questions, but she will never be silent. Think about that tonight. If you seriously want to know what's happening in the natural realm, if you seriously want to be an informed individual, what do you do? You find the news, right? 
You ever felt bad when everybody else knew something that was going on and you didn't? Please don't lie about it because then they'll ask you a specific question and you'll get caught in it every time. Everybody else knows what's going on. They ask you, did you see? Have you heard? But you watch reruns at night and you skip the news. Or you spend all night on social media looking at nonsense and laughing at it. That's me. Threw that one in for me. <laughs> Rather than looking at those important breaking news notifications that kept coming up. We're so informed today, we got dedicated channels. We got the world news channel. We got the national news channel. We got a state news. And then we got the holy of the holies. The 6 and the 10 o'clock local news. Y'all know I'm preaching right tonight. Why? Why? Because we do not want to be ignorant of what's going on around us. So we pay attention and we watch and we look because we don't want to be the one that don't know what's happening when everybody else is talking about it. In the natural realm, we know what to do. We go find the news to find out what's going on. The spiritual equivalency of that is the church. If you want to know what God is up to, if you want to know what's happening in the climate of the kingdom, it's not going to be on the local news or the state or the local or the federal or the national or the world. It's going to be in the church because the church is going to be speaking and you're going to be an informed people. Sadly, Many are so distracted by every other voice that they neglect the powerful, life-giving voice of the church. It's going to get better. Hang on a minute. So how does the church speak? What does that look like today? What gives voice to the church? I'm using Joshua tonight to teach these principles for you. couple of reasons. This is a transitional story. We're in a transitional season. In our world, this time of year, we're transitioning. In this church, we're in a transitional moment. And Joshua is a transitional book. God is taking a people with a promise to be a people within their promise. Please hear me tonight. I know that I've had the microphone a lot here lately. And I've noticed a buzzword that keeps popping up in the last several things God has given me for this great church. And that one word is in. 
Just about everything I've been saying to you over the last few services has been in. It's been in. And I feel led tonight to say to you, and I say it because I, I'm one of you and I'm with you. And this is our home and you are our family. God is saying, CLC, it's time for in. It's time to step in to the promise. It's time to walk in what I have. It's time to buy in and step in and gather in because God is ready to bring us in to what he's promised us. Leave it tonight. It's in for revival. It's in to new seasons. It's in. It's in to old words and old promises that some of you thought it even died, but God said, I'm about to bring you in. And I just believe before he takes us all out, we are going to see the greatest level of in we have ever seen. I don't think God is getting ready to snatch his bride out of here without first making one more pull for any and everybody that will listen to her. Come on. This is the greatest time to be a part of the church of the living God. This is the greatest hour that you could ever live in. God's going to bring a harvest if the church does what she's supposed to do. Some of you have been faithful. You've obeyed the message. You've followed the method. You've stayed the course because God has had his hand on this church. But I hear your questions tonight. I hear them in my spirit. They rang out as I prayed and sought God for what to say to you tonight. Uh, how do I know, Brother Hodge? It feels uncertain, Brother Hodge. I just don't know if I have faith for what you're preaching. I'm not sure if I'm ready or if we're ready. Here's what the Lord said say to you tonight stop letting the unknown steal from you what you do know I'm telling you you've been here long enough to establish that he is faithful and his eyes forever upon you and the things that he said he would do he surely will bring them to pass stop letting what you haven't got figured out keep you from doing what God said you could do Joshua was the right man in the right season. Moses had led them. He had prepared them. He had established them on a solid foundation. Thank God for foundation. But his work was accomplished. And here comes Joshua. How? He was commissioned by God to do what? To build on the foundation Moses had laid. Joshua didn't get to come along and change it. He didn't get to come along and make up a new rule. He didn't get to come along and make up a new way. He didn't get to come along and change anything. He simply got to come along and build upon the foundation that had been laid. And he was going to be the one that God, through his mercy and goodness, was going to be allowed to lead the people into what he had prepared them for. It took some foundation under them, but it took the right man in the right moment and season to to lead them in to what God had prepared. Here's the principle. God will never promote you until he first establishes you. That 
was twofold. That was the people, and that was Joshua. The people had been established. Moses has Thank God for foundations. But now Joshua is coming to carry. How did we know? Because there was a voice. See, because before the church can speak, God must speak. Look back at it with me, this passage that we've used tonight. Verse 1, now after the death of Moses, the Lord spake unto Joshua. And this is what he said, Moses is dead. But just because Moses is finished and his time is up, my work must continue. And you're the guy I've chosen, Joshua. Get up and lead my people. God's transition plan was simple. Get up, go forward, and possess the promise. Verse 3. I love this one. I didn't read it to you. I skipped it, but I love this one. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you, as I said unto Moses. God told Joshua, I'm going to allow you to walk in. Say that word again. The promise I gave to Moses. And God reminded Joshua, I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. Now that's awesome. Especially if you're Joshua. That's great. I'm going to be with you like I was with him. And if you, Joshua, your head just swelled up. You, you, you got a little strength just because God said, I'm going to be with you like I was with him. But here's the greater revelation. That was more than just a promise for Joshua. It was a principle for every other believer that would dare trust him. Whatever God has been before us, he will be for us. So if he's ever been a healer, he's my healer too. If he's ever been a deliverer, he's my deliverer too. God wanted Joshua and tonight, us to know, I am no respecter of persons. I will do for you what I did for previous believers before you. In Joshua's case, it was Moses. That's why God told him twice. Look at verse 6. Be strong and of a good Courage, And then in verse 7, he opened it the same way. Only be thou strong and very courageous. God told Joshua, I'm going to be with you just like I was with him. But you've got to be strong and you've got to be courageous. And here's where we mix it up and we get it wrong. He wasn't telling them to be strong and courageous against the enemy. Because he had already told him, I took care of the enemy. He didn't need strength for winning. He was on the winning side. I tried to preach that to you Sunday. He needed strength for his faith. 
Just stay on the path that Moses put you on. I ain't even going to get close to finish with this tonight, but I don't care. See, that scripture where the disciples couldn't cast the devil out of that young man. Y'all remember that? And, and the dad was a little bit baffled by it. I brought him to thy disciples. But they could not. Now, Jesus had done released him. They just a few days before had come back and said, even the devils are subject unto us. But they encountered this little situation, and obviously it looked real bad. Y'all know what happens when something looks real bad. We start doubting a whole lot. Oh, you come up here and you need me to pray for you because you got a headache tonight. And I don't diminish headaches. But you come up here and you need a little prayer for a headache. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but you roll up here in a wheelchair. Well, if the Lord wants to. This okay tonight. I ain't going to get through, but it's all right. I'm, I'm not going to keep you no extra time. I'll finish it up another time when get asked. We'll just, we'll just talk tonight. Is that okay? Is that fine? I, I had a preacher tell me one time, he said, Brother Hodge, do you understand that scripture? If there be any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church, and they will anoint them. Pray the prayer of faith over them. He said, who's doing the praying? See, we want to pull the cop out and say, well, if, if you have faith to, to, to believe, this elder said they've demonstrated all the faith they need by coming up and calling on you. Hmm. That'll let you hear the air condition jingling. <laughs> That's tough right there. That's a lot of weight, especially on the preacher. Man, wish the pastor buttons on tonight. Y'all understand what I'm trying to say? But but here's my point. This is why I brought this up. This is why I'm side walling and wrecking this beautiful direction I had to go tonight because we're running close to time and I'm not going to do it. But he said, what did he say? This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. What was he talking about? Was he talking about that spirit? Was he talking about their unbelief? Mm. A few days ago, they were shouting, even the devils are subject to us. Woo! Thank you, Lord, for this power you have given us. They encountered a situation 
that they couldn't make any advancement on. They couldn't get this child delivered. And they brought him to Jesus. And Jesus just shook his head and said, This kind cometh out only with much prayer and fasting. I submit to you, there's not a void of power tonight. There's folks that have forgotten how to believe for it. Oh, now, I, I, lost, a, I lost a little weight, and I did fast some, but I ain't been fasting that much. Still eat ice cream every night. Right? I'm talking about the foundations that we're on. This thing cometh forth by much prayer and fasting. Come on, somebody. And this is what he was telling Joshua. He's like, I need you to be strong, and I need you to be courageous. Not for your enemy. I've already taken care of them. I just need you to believe that I'm going to take my people into this promise. Why was it, would it be hard for him to believe it? Probably because they've been wandering around for 40 years. Probably because they've been digging graves and burying people that they thought they were going to be moving into new houses with. And he said, it's time for you to go in. And I need you to understand that the man I gave the word to in the beginning, the man that started this all out, the man that walked before Pharaoh and won your independence, the man that, that stepped out in the Red Sea open and all y'all followed and then turned around and watched the enemies drown behind you. I'm with you just like I was with him. So be strong and courageous. We need a strength to get in our faith that God's going to take us in. God's going to give us what he promised. God's going to perform what he said. Come on, somebody. Do we believe that tonight? Do we really believe? We need some confidence back in God. If he has done it before, he can do it again. But we've got to get our faith back to a place of trust and confidence that God has got us. We're so scared. We're so scared. I, 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 I'm going to tell you a story, and then I'm fixing to close out. I'll finish this message another night. We're almost out of time. I was preaching for somebody you know. How many know Dale Beebe? You know Dale Beebe in South Carolina? I was preaching for Brother Beebe. Be respectful. I was preaching for Brother Beebe in South Carolina. And uh, we were having a, I'm talking about church kind that makes you say it right. Church. We was having church. It was running everywhere and worship and God was doing so many things and in the middle of worship service we was baptizing people and people was getting the Holy Ghost and and, uh, and while all that was going on this young lady and her mother came up 
and they waved and got my attention. And she said, Brother Hodge, my, my mom just got diagnosed with cancer. And uh, while this service was going on, the Lord spoke to me to bring her up here and get you to pray for her. And immediately something snapped in my spirit. And I said, yeah, I'm not going to pray for you tonight. I'm going to lay hands on you and command this thing to die. Because I just feel faith right now. You stepped up here and you believe God's going to do it. We ain't praying. We're just going to talk to that thing that's invaded her body. And we're going to tell it to die. And I said these words when I laid my hand on her. I said, you cancer that's coming to this body. You have invaded this child of God's temple. And I command you to dry up and become a stone. You die and you die now in the name of Jesus. And that she took off and went to worshiping God. And so we had a good old time. We just worshiping, having a good time. My wife even run a little bit, got blessed. So you know we was having church. Now I'll pick up. And we're about to leave, and Brother B.B. is up there, and he's saying, Thank God for so-and-so baptized tonight in Holy Ghost field. Thank God for so-and-so baptized tonight in Holy Ghost field. Thank God for this, and thank God for that. Thank God, and thank God. And I'm sitting over here doing this. And I said, Thank God for healing that cancer. I said, she's going to get a test tomorrow. She's going to get something checked out tomorrow. She said, I said, you better say it. I mean, we just watched these people get baptized. We, we heard them speak in tongues. It's easy to declare something you see it. You better say it. This is how he said it. Uh, Brother Hodge said <laughs> that God healed sister so-and-so tonight. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Over with. But he was telling a little bit different when he called me a few days later. Man, you ain't going to believe. I bet I will. Try me. She went, they did, going to go in and do a biopsy, and they hit something hard. And they pulled it out, and she's got it in a jar on her dresser. What was a tumor is a rock. I didn't have nothing special that night. There ain't nothing special about me. Pray for many people believing and thinking God was going to do it, and it didn't happen. That particular night, her faith rose to a level, and mine was there too. And we were strong, and we was courageous. And we just believed what the Lord had said, and God performed the work. And that was the first voice that came. It was telling Joshua, I've got something I want my people to walk in. 
I've got a promise I'm taking them into, but I've got to have somebody strong and courageous. You can't be weak, Joshua. You can't, you can't back up. You can't second guess anything that Moses has said. He's given you the plan. He's given you the foundation. He's given you the formula. And now you and my people need to get up and go. Because the church has got to have a voice. Notice this, and I'm, I'm about to close. He told Joshua, everywhere your feet go, I will give you. Here's my last lesson tonight. To possess the promise, they had to put their feet on it. Find it strange tonight that the enemy works to steal this word by capturing our feet. Uh, can I just say it like this? You can't put your foot in the church, but you think you're going to possess the promise. I'm preaching to the choir tonight. You hear? You can't even walk with him in his own house, but you think you're going to walk with him through. See, many don't walk in their promise because their feet are in the wrong place. Joshua got a word because he had been walking with Moses. And God said, a man that will walk with me can walk out in front and show my people how to possess the land. His feet had been where their feet were going. They knew his walk he, he didn't show up. Joshua didn't just show up with a word. He released a word, and he continued to walk. And that word was, it's time to move. It's time to go forward. It was a word for their future. If I ever get finished with this, it's a word for our future. Spoken in due season, Moses had prepared them for it, and today was the day to step in. I'm telling you tonight, I ain't got through. But I came tonight to remind this church and to stir up the strength of this church. We might be seeing craziness all around us, but this is a great time to be anchored to the kingdom of God. This is a great time to be a part of the work of God. And God's got great things for us, 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 us to do. And the word that keeps coming back is in, is in, is in. And the Lord said, tell them again, it's time to go in. Would you stand with me tonight?